0: Welcome to Published at Franciscan. Today we speak to the philosopher John Crosby about his book on the personalism of Pope St. John Paul II. Okay, welcome to the podcast. You're joined here by Brandon Dam, Matt Bruninger, and myself, Robert McNamara, and we're looking at John Crosby today and his book on the personalism of John Paul II. John, could you tell us a little bit about your book?
1: Yeah, well, the... Uh book really uh, needs to be seen in relation to my larger book, The Selfhood of the Human Person. Mm-hmm. That appeared in 1996 at CUA Press. And this little booklet, The pa- Personalism of John Paul II, is an attempt to take some of the main ideas of that larger and more ambitious and more properly philosophical work and to make them accessible to a broader audience of, of interested people. So this is, uh, uh, so you, you may have seen the good blue book uh, <laughs> around <laughs> campus, the cell phone of the human person. That's uh, uh, like the foundation, uh, and this is the uh, popularization mm. of the personalism. And so,
2: you wrote your own Spark Notes book? Yeah, sort
3: of. Yeah. <laughs>
2: John, could you, for my
3: sake, um, walk me through the title? So, the personalism of JP2. So, for the non philosopher, what, uh, what is personalism?
1: What is personalism? Well, um, that's one of those disarming questions, like the question of the child. What is philosophy? What do you do, (laughs) Father? (laughs) Oh, no!
2: (laughs) She's seen through me already.
1: (laughs) Uh, 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 One dear colleague um, had a child who asked him, You know, what do you do as a philosophy professor? And he answered, I ask questions. (laughs) Uh, I don't know if I can uh, give you such a, a Uh, a a brief and witty response. But personalism, um, you know, it's the thing that emerges in the ten chapters. It's the the point of reference of that appendix. Mm -hmm. What is personalism? And It it represents an approach to the human person rooted in the tradition of Western philosophy, but with a certain accent, a certain accent Hmm. on interiority. Uh, subjectivity, lived experience. Uh, the idea of John Paul, as I read him, is to enhance uh, what we receive in our philosophical tradition by this focus on this this new kind of focus on the interiority hmm. of persons. Uh, so it, you might say uh, you could think of a more objective approach to uh, the human person, you know, this is a venerable old definition of the person as an individual substance of a rational nature, Voitiba, <laughs> or John Paul, uh, refers to that and says, well, it's true, but it's not enough. It doesn't explore the self-possession, the self-presence, uh, the interiority, uh, the belonging mm. of the person to himself. That fundamental mystery of interior life um, is supposed to be brought forward in a more prominent way uh, and for not so much the overturning but the enhancement and gaining a new uh, dimension uh, for our thinking about persons
3: Hmm. how's that matt yeah it's helpful thank you
0: john why do you think it was quite late in the western tradition that this came to the foreground, even though you have some roots of it in, in Augustine and Augustine. Yes,
1: thought right. Yes, right. No, that's, uh, uh, that's uh, a good question. Why, uh, uh, perhaps it's natural um, for the human mind at first to turn outward uh, and even see itself from without, and perhaps it represents a later, more mature stage of development to... Uh, Begin to explore this presence of the person, to him or herself from within. Um, so, but uh, that—that—that's that, a good uh, probing uh, question. What—what yeah. uh, what is it that makes um, the more, let's say, objective approach to the person the, the first uh, thing that mm. one does, and why does this grow later? Uh, this interior turn.
0: Yeah, I suppose we could explore it a little bit by asking um, what was it that made John Paul II so interested in the human person that he developed yeah. this, this philosophical perspective?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, um, I have that quote, um, that famous quote from his letter to de Lubach where he says Uh, This is an age in which we have seen the degradation and the pulverization, he says, of the human person, like in no previous time. And that seems to have been one major impulse for him to go deeper, uh, to think through more radically what it is
0: uh, to be a person. So the particular political happenings of the 20th century were like the negative relief that he used and inspired him? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I think you know when a thing is uh, grossly violated, sometimes it uh, comes to evidence more dramatically uh, than it had when it was just taken for granted. Uh, so that that's certainly one source. Uh, I think also he felt that um, it was pastorally very useful. I think he thought he got a real hearing from the world when he spoke uh, this language of what is due to persons, what what involves a commodification persons uh, an objectivization uh, everybody understands that and so uh,
0: it was like a key in which to speak uh, that let him be broadly heard yeah and he, he does seem to come at it from the perspective of ethics very frequently although it's evident there's much more going on in his thought about the person Then, in then, just it's not merely an ethical perspective that he's presenting, though he does seem to come at it from the perspective of ethics primarily.
1: Yes, right, that's his uh uh, point of entry. Uh, you know, this idea that persons being something of their own uh, uh, are always degraded and violated when, when used
2: instrumentally, uh, and. You call that the personalist norm in the book, right? Personalist principle, yes. Personalist right. principle, yeah. That's
1: that's his own uh, uh, term. Yeah, and there are a certain uh, Kantian source, uh, right? Not that John Paul is a Kantian, but uh, Kant was the first, as far as I know, in the West to tried to capture the first principle of the moral life in that in those personalist terms. Hmm. So, John, are we talking about? That, uh, uh, he could present the whole uh, uh, sexual morality of the church uh, in a new and more winning way by showing how all the basic, often very controversial, precepts of sexual morality uh, really are aspects of showing respect for persons. That's what he attempts
3: in the the early work, love and responsibility. Right. I like that. Are, are we so? Are, when we talk about this interiority, um, it, it sounds—I mean, this could be my my psychologist ear—but it, it sounds like we're we're talking about something deeply psychological about the person. We're we're delving inward into their inner life, and and that maybe that, does that include mm-hmm. a, uh, emotions and passions, and does does it, does it does it take all of that into account, John? Oh,
1: yeah, I think uh, what we uh, call the heart, yeah. uh, you know, is quite fundamental to the person mm. in uh, uh, Vojtiva's sense. Mm. Uh, so, uh, yeah. That's,
3: uh, uh, so I could see it being really helpful, particularly mm-hmm. now, given that there there's... Um, uh, there is such a focus on feeling and passion and emotion and if you, could f- if you had mm-hmm. a system, if you had a philosophical system that mm-hmm. could use that as a point of entry, mm-hmm. but, then, but then had a, a deeply Christian view of the human person, mm-hmm. it yes. might feel like a fuller picture for, for the modern, the modern ear. Yeah. I, I like how you said that he uses this as an entry to maybe speak about sexual morality. why why this might be a way to do it as opposed to a more sterile quote-unquote objective way something like
1: that very uh, fascinating in that early book love and responsibility is the discussion of sexual shame Hmm. uh, by which he means not a disgust at something bad but uh, a sense of being violated in what is intimate Uh, and so he says when uh, 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 when, for instance, a man looks lustfully at a woman, and she knows she's being objectified and somehow taken as an object of sexual consump- consumption, uh, she instinctively and rightly feels a certain shame. That is, she pulls back and tries to subdue anything that could be in the least bit sexually provocative. And that's a good personalist instinct, he says. Mm. She's got a sense of herself as person. And she's pulling back to protect that against this potential violation of her as person. But, so that's a kind of personalist rereading, so to say, of traditional uh, norms of chastity. Uh, and the whole, the whole book, uh, Love and Responsibility, is, is, is the, the whole originality of Voitiba, rethinking in personalist terms. Uh, what he receives from the tradition is on display there.
0: John, can I ask, what was it that first got you interested in this topic of the human person and philosophically Mm. exploring what it means to be a person?
1: Yeah, um, it goes way back. I uh, began working on the selfhood of the human person back in the early um, 80s. and, And the interest took on a new shape. When I encountered the work of Voitiva, of, of John Paul, uh, that brought something that I didn't have from my own philosophical formation, even something over and above what I had received from Dietrich von Hildebrand. Uh, uh, that there was a, a sense of the mystery and and dignity of each person and. Uh, this inviolability, this belonging of each person to himself, uh, that uh, uh, that fired my imagination. It's as if I found something that um, uh, raised my whole understanding of the person into new dimensions. And so um, that, my, my own philosophical upbringing, together with that encounter with Voitiba in the early 80s. That somehow fired my philosophic imagination and led to these works. And, and made Vo- Voitiba resonate so strongly with me. That's why I conceived of the
0: idea of writing the and And booklet. when did you originally write the, the book? It's recently republished now, but you-, you... Yes, it was originally
1: um, a, a series of lectures that I uh, gave at EWTN, they asked me for a short course on the personalism of John Paul, it was in 1999. And so I, in 10 segments, gave them, taped uh, that course, and uh, then uh, I thought, well, uh, I prepared these segments pretty closely, let me go ahead and write them up. So it was published in 10 segments in a Catholic magazine, and and there it lay for 20 years. (laughs) Uh, until John Henry had the idea of bringing it back uh, as a booklet, and it got revised uh, somewhat in the in the bringing back.
2: John, we like to talk about the process of writing a little bit as we're discussing mm-hmm. the articles, and this is a very unusual process to first. I mean, what, it's, I guess I guess it came out that the year I was born, so almost forty years ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the uh, you had just you published this really rich, scholarly, long um, book on this topic. Um, can you talk about the process of going from that to a very popular level, and then writing that up, and then revising it twenty years later?
1: Uh, yes. Well, you know, it it wasn't so so difficult. I just uh, I, I had uh, so many Catholic friends who uh, wanted to understand. This philosopher pope, hmm. and couldn't get very far by just going with his own writings, and so the idea of reducing to simplest terms, uh, the main personalist insights of John Paul, that occurred naturally, and it it wasn't particularly burdensome. Uh, uh, you know, once you have a clear sense of your audience, uh, why the the adaptation to the audience. Uh, well, it came naturally uh,
0: hmm. uh, for me yeah john i have a c- confession to make i actually saw one of those ewtn slots oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little over even 10 years ago now <laughs> yeah before <laughs> before i even started studying philosophy and theology properly oh my yeah yeah <laughs> it, it was enjoyable and, and understandable uh-huh. for a non-philosopher at the time yeah right, right. so yeah. thank you well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Now, the, the, the selfhood of the human person, that was a more arduous uh, uh, thing, I, I imagine, yeah. Ambitious, and I was finding my way. Uh, and that was a fully 11 years of uh, more or less continuous work on, wow. on, on that one. Wow. wow. Yeah. And it was always wow. connected with my teaching. You know, every new draft of that book was circulated among the students in that course. Oh, neat. Uh, and mm. it grew in interaction.
0: Uh, with them. Have you found that in the writing of this booklet that it's fed back into your teaching in any way and will you use it in your teaching?
1: uh, Yeah I I used it last semester in teaching the person course and I realized that the earlier uh, book is just a bit too formidable for beginners and so I'm going to uh, just mention it and recommend it for the ambitious and Require
0: only now uh, the shorter uh, personalism of John Paul. Next, you lead a mid-range buck, so the beginning, <laughs> <of> the expert, <laughs> they can take step by step up to the selfhood. Yes. <laughs> John, yeah,
3: John, John, you mentioned that. Um, you mentioned that this uh, sort of JP two um, he lit your imagination on fire, and <clears throat> I'm wondering there, there's clearly a Real academic and intellectual interest in this, but but I'm wondering if there's been any sort of personal or practical yeah. dimension of this to you. I mean, has yeah. has encountering this work has it changed the way you actually yeah. encounter people and approach yeah. people and view people? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I would hope so. I, uh, <laughs> we'll leave it to others to say whether that <laughs> has in fact happened. But it is. It is you know, the kind of philosophizing that uh, is fruitful only if it's very close <laughs> to your own life, and only if your thinking grows through your attempt to live it. And and that was very much the case with John Paul, everybody who met him, and I, I, I too had that impression, uh, that he had an astonishing presence to each visitor. You know, all these thousands of Uh, people who wanted to see him and talk to him, but you never had the sense of him just looking at a crowd or being preoccupied. Uh, But Hmm. each person whose hand he shook, with whom he exchanged a few words, there was a moment of extraordinary presence to them. And I always thought, that's living his personalist philosophy. Uh, And that whole theme of presence and self-presence and recollection. Um, that's a big theme in the book, also in the in the short uh, booklet. Uh, and uh, it's a, a point in John Paul where you have um, theory and lived life uh, and where he is exemplary, you know, in the personalist style, so to say,
0: of his encountering uh, people. What's your favorite part of his thought in this area, John? What is it that enlightens your imagination so vigorously?
1: Yeah, uh, well, you know that uh, uh, one theme in Voitiva, and also in both of my books is this idea that a person is not just an instance of the humankind, but is someone unrepeatable hmm. uh, so that there aren't multiple instances of Rob McNamara, which you just happened to Thankfully. be Thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> Rob McNamara happens one time. And if he were to go out of existence, uh, a kind of uh, hole would remain in the world that no subsequent person could fulfill. Now, if you were just an instance of a type, in subsequent instances could make up for your lack <laughs> uh, but you uh, being unrepeatable as person uh, you know have uh, something that to all eternity no subsequent person could capture uh, so as to make up for the absence of you in mm-hmm. the world so that that idea um of The contrast, you know, like between plants and many animals where the individual is more or less an instance of a type. Uh, So like with, say, flowers, roses, um, you know, one wilts, but another one of the same kind, just like it, takes its place, and really nothing is lost to the world. So that all anyone could really hope to have would be a permanent existence of the species of rose. But who cares whether the species lives on in this or that individual? There's certainly no uh, imperative that this individual rose should always exist and never. But with persons, you have a kind of call for immortality that doesn't just go with the species, but with the individual. Uh, And so that a uh, mystery of a person is unrepeatable, unsubstitutable. Uh, that uh, is one, one aspect of yeah. John Paul's personalism that took deep root in me and And I think you know if you try to if you meditate on that unrepeatability, concretely trying to gain what Newman calls a real ascent, not just a notional ascent, then it does. Have an impact on, to go back to your question, Matt, on the way in which you encounter people. You know, the, the kind of awe and respect that flows naturally if you have a lively sense of dealing with not just, you know, another typical teenager uh, mm-hmm. or another so and so of some category, but uh, if that sense of unrepeatable person is strong, then the uh, 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 you know, your whole way of conducting yourself with persons can can change.
2: Seems like that would work the other direction too, John. Where if you actually treat individuals as persons in your interactions, this personalist insight is really going to come alive to you. Yeah. I Whereas so. if you just treat them as an instance of a category that you're dealing with, as a clerk right. or a student mm-hmm. or a colleague, um, right. then it they just the person disappears to you.
1: Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly, yeah, that uh, person becomes invisible. Yeah. You see uh, uh, traits that are common to many yeah. uh, individuals of a type or kind.
0: So, John, this insight seems to be born true eminently in friendship and romantic love. Yeah. yeah. But it seems quite difficult to put your finger on it philosophically and, let's right. say, provide right. a demonstration. Right. What What is the difficulty there? Is yeah. there really a mystery at the heart of it that, that this is...
1: Well, yes, I think the, the difficulty is that this unrepeatable personal identity is unutterable uh, because our language works with general terms. You know, we describe persons, even beloved persons in, in general terms. But uh, that doesn't suffice to capture what is unrepeatably their own. Uh, and so, uh, given language and the way we predicate things in general, uh, saying of one what we say of many others too, uh, is an insufficient tool for uh, uttering, you know, the, the mystery of this unrepeatable person. You sense that mystery in loving the person, and you painfully feel the absence of that person if he dies. But when it comes to articulating, in concepts, language uh, fails you. And so I've often, in teaching and in these works, spoken of the ineffability of each uh, person. It's a very significant fact. And not something negative. It's a very, it's, there's a richness of concrete personal life that is too much for language with its uh being tethered to general concepts. So, yeah, that that would be maybe one reason. uh, Yeah, thank you, John. Yeah.
2: John, I have a question about interiority. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is a big part of your big book, but also your booklet Mm -hmm. that we're talking about, that personalism recognizes the interiority of the person, Mm -hmm. and you talk about it as self-presence. Yeah. I was wondering if you could just expand on that a little bit more and then maybe put it Mm -hmm. into contrast with what we talk about as an inner life yeah um, I relate those mm-hmm. in my mind but they're not I don't think they're just the same thing so if you could yeah. Yeah. open that up for me I'd be very it'd be helpful
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well uh, by self presence I mean uh, a kind of relation that each of us has to himself from within and that each has only to himself so I can't be present to you as you are to yourself. I'd have to be you to be present to you in just that interior way that you are present to yourself. So um, uh, self-presence refers, it's in contrast to taking myself as an object. So if I look at myself as other people see me through their eyes then I take myself somehow from without as object. But uh, I can also uh, and, and this is somehow more primordial uh, for me, encounter myself from within, not in front of myself as object, uh, not in the third person, so to say, but in the first person. Uh, and so uh, the, the, the self-presence um, it, it interests me tremendously in chapter three of the Selfhood book where I talk about recollection, uh, what it is to cultivate a strong self-presence you know so that uh, i am alive as a self-possessing person uh, and not just passive in the face of everything that comes at me and rolls over me and so a recollected self-presence would be a, a, a self-presence in which my personhood is emphatically actualized uh, and and in which i am Eminently there as a self determining person, not just buffeted around uh, by everything that uh, flows in from the outside on me. So, yeah, uh, so that self-presence, uh, yeah. that's self presence. Yeah, a unique kind of encounter with myself. And then the degrees of it um, and the stronger, more intense forms constitute what I call recollected self presence.
0: Okay. Is this something that you could grow in through the course of time, John?
1: Yes, oh, I think so. And we see it, you know, in ourselves and in other people, but some people seem never recollected. Others,
0: like John Paul himself,
1: lived out of a very deep recollection. That's why he was so present to each uh, person. So we have this uh, tremendous growth.
2: can uh, it, there. What is the correlation between that growth and growth in holiness? It seems like you could yeah. be very self-present and evil. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, <laughs> yes.
2: But there, but there's also, you know, with, with, within evil is a kind of dispersal and not u- a lack of unity. So I'm curious. Yeah, yeah. What do you think of that?
1: Yeah. No, I think um, there's certainly um, a self-presence that is only possible in the good. And the evil person like Yago may be you know, focused on his mischief and plan it out carefully. Uh But that's not the same uh, as being uh, deeply gathered into a center Mm -hmm. as one is in uh, recollection. So that that ability to focus uh, sets distractions aside and uh, focus on one thing. That's not exactly recollection. That's more of a and a technical power that I exercise I over my attention right uh, but uh, this this deep coming to oneself this what Saint Benedict in his rule calls the Habitare secum, you know the dwelling with oneself mm. uh, that's possible only in the good uh, can't exist in a person who maliciously hates the good
0: there seems to be a paradox here John. It, taking John Paul's life as an example you speak about him as incredibly recollected while also to the same degree present to others
1: yeah yes, exactly. yeah yeah now that that paradox is really uh, significant because otherwise the talk when I talk about recollection it sounds like uh, I'm talking about some kind of self-absorption right? but the intriguing thing is that being centered in myself I am empowered to Turn outward, and really be present to others, or really make a commitment to another. So that that being empowered to act toward the other through the depth of one's recollection—that is indeed a, a paradox, a most significant personalist paradox. Yeah,
3: you you have a great chapter in there, John, in the in the little pamphlet on on self donation. So it's related yeah. to this, yeah. Um, yeah, right. yeah. and and it's always there's a, there's a line in Gaudium et Spes. It says man finds himself through a sincere gift of self. Right. Right. I I mean, and and it can seem like a puzzling line, but you have this really nice chapter on self donation. I wonder if you could talk about a a little more about this, how man comes to himself through giving himself through self donation.
1: Right. Yeah. 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 That's uh, a line, Um, but John Paul, quotes more times than anybody can count in <laughs> his homilies and encyclicals uh, and, and exhortations, this line. And it's maybe worth uh, uh, putting, putting the quote out there in full. He uh, though man is the only creature whom God will for his own sake, he is such that he can only find himself by making a sincere gift of himself. So that's the polarity, again, uh, yeah we exist. For our own sake, in some significant personalist sense, uh, but that we aren't thereby individualistically isolated, but uh, set up for or empowered to uh, give ourselves. Give. B- because, you know, in a distracted uh, state of dissipated consciousness with no real inner center, lacking all recollection, I'm in no position to make a sincere gift of myself. Uh, I have to be fully present to myself and deeply recollected to be in a position to enact that self-gift, or to enact some deep commitment to another person. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, uh, that's the theme of uh, self-gift. It's, of course, central to his teaching on man and woman. but also uh, it holds, I think, um, you know, for for all relations to person, uh, we're called to some form or other of self-gift, which has its roots in the uh, recollected interiority of the giver. Yeah.
2: John, if let's help Matt with his practice a little bit. Um, if someone comes and you can tell they need to grow in this interiority and in this self-presence, what are a couple of actually practical, like today, oh, yeah. if I want to spend the afternoon growing yeah.
0: in self-presence, what are some <laughs> sure. things there I can do? Yeah, this is, this is for Matt. This is for
2: someone else. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. What, like, what can I actually do? Cause it sounds, right. it sounds wonderful, but also yeah. kind of abstract for being so deeply personal. What are, What's something I could actually do today? Or Matt, or (laughs) whoever. Asking for a friend.
1: Well, you know, um, I I usually flippantly say when students ask me that question, I say, look, go to the friars. They'll tell you all about The actual practice of it. I'm giving you the the underlying theory. But with my friends here, I can't uh, 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 blow your question off like that. But... No, um, there's um, certainly a, uh, a kind of culture of silence, of mm. uh, cultivating an inner silence and taking a distance to all of the stimuli you know, that are acting on us and pushing us here and there. And uh, somehow uh, uh, there's a, an act of somehow disentangling oneself from that multiplicity of many things and urges uh, and coming to uh, oneself uh, in in recollection, but it would start uh, with a, a, a step back, you know, uh, a step away from uh, dropping certain preoccupations, and and so uh, a, a culture of inner silence, I think, um, uh, is the preface, you know, the beginning of going deeper. To uh, this recollection. Also, that's you know a well-known practice from the spiritual writers. Contemplating ultimate things, my own coming death, you know, the great gifts in my life, the fact of being redeemed, the Paschal mystery. These uh, things, when contemplated, take me to a deeper place, and exercise a recollecting power uh on me yeah, but so i think i think especially in the age of uh, iphones and mm. uh, you know the, the over stimulation of yeah. the mind the dissipation of consciousness that comes with that over stimulation that makes uh this practice of recollection of, you know a, an urgent matter a uh, life uh saving thing
2: yeah so so just, can I try and summarize that? The first is you step back and give yourself space away Yeah. that where inner silence is at least possible. Right. Um, and the second thing, uh, you reflect on the things that give unity to your life so yeah. you can see yeah. your life as a whole right. and right. Yeah. become present to yourself. Yeah, That's
1: a good way of putting this. Um, getting a sense of my life as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The direction of it as a whole. Uh, that uh, That's just not another, you know, bit of information. Yeah, increases my overstimulation. Right. Something of so such ultimate significance Hmm. that if I entertain that thought seriously, I can't not go deeper. Mm
0: -hmm. John, you've spoken about this topic um, a lot and quite frequently, but it seems to still animate you. Are you continuing yeah. to work on the person or have you turned to other areas of research? What are you working on now? Have oh, you yeah. solved it? Have you figured it out
1: <laughs> yet, yeah, <I'll> John? Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, well uh, you know, if I claim to have solved it, you should turn me in for fraud because nothing in philosophy at this level of reflection is solved. Uh, ever more deeply entered into. Uh, but, um, well, you know, uh, one. Uh, uh, point of interest is something that you and I have very much in common, Rob Edith Stein and her idea of the individuality of each yeah. person. Uh, hmm. That's uh, uh, it's a, a, a rich, rich uh, insight of, of hers and uh, I want to try to appropriate that yeah. uh, in my own way. Uh, so that, that's coming up uh, as a, a natural continuation. So, you know, she has uh, the uh, intriguing idea that each person uh, begins not just as a human person and gets individuated by the course of one's life, uh, you know, by the encounters and the uh, griefs and uh, blessings and uh, significant events and decisions in one's life as if uh, what was just an indistinct human being now acquires uh, individuality as this human person. But she thinks that every person um, has a kind of name given by God from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that this unrepeatable mystery of each person isn't an acquisition uh, that you get along the way and lack at first. But it's something that Um, uh, like your human nature is given from the beginning you don't acquire that as you go you actualize it but don't acquire it so this identity as this person is uh, somehow given uh, uh, in the name that is imparted to you from the uh, beginning and the task is to live up to that to that Personal vocation implied in uh, your personal identity. Hmm. Yeah. So, th- this... so I, I don't know, Rob. You correct me if you think I've misstated her position. I know you worked on this very much yeah. in your no, you uh, st- doctoral dissertation.
0: Yeah. No, you, you stated it very well and clearly, John. And it's always mm-hmm. a curious interest to me this question because. Her thought here seemed to complement Voitivis so well, John Paul yeah, so well, and yet right, right. move to a deeper plane or yeah, resolve exactly. certain questions that John Paul maybe didn't have the time right, to resolve.
1: Exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, this exactly. Uh, take this deep into the metaphysics of personalism.
0: It's yeah. a real
1: it's important metaphysical question of hmm. the foundations of personalism. So, yeah, that's one thing I'd like to uh, 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 say something about. Well, I have the strength to do it, and when I draft something, you can be sure I'll run it by you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, I look forward to receiving yeah. that text, John. Yeah. And um, thank you for your time here today, John. You've given us yeah. much to talk and think about, and yeah, uh, thank you, look John. forward you to talking to you. Wonderful,
1: wonderful. It's been uh, wonderful. Uh, probing questions. Uh, it was a, a, a joy for me to share all of this and to uh, hear your own insights. So we should find a way to continue whether sure, online sure. or not.